So I was in the bank. I hate banks. Anyway, I'm in the bank. And I walk in to the back doors, and there's a few people standing there. There's a few people at the, uh, at the tellers. Do they call them tellers anymore? What do they tell, actually? I don't know. They call them tellers. Anyway, there's a few people engaging the bank workers already, and there's a few in line. So I come in, number three in line, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm getting a little older. My knees don't work as well as they used to. And in my particular bank, they have a lounge. Chairs. Couches. You can have a nap while you're waiting for your turn. And so I took out my phone. I went over to one of these nice chairs, and I sat down, waiting for my turn. I get involved in something on my phone, some random, you know, insignificant thing, I'm sure. I look up, and while I was engaged elsewhere, somebody had snuck in the door and took my place in line. How dare he? Now, everybody has a story like this, where you're waiting, and you, and you're attention is you're distracted for a little moment and somebody else sneaks into your place. So I got up off my chair. I went over to that guy, got him in a headlock. <laughs> now that's, you don't know how, how that's not me. That's not the way I work, but I did get up out of my seat. And I did stand next to him, and I made sure somebody else wasn't going to come in that door and get in there in front of me. So those things kind of happen. You know, I was in a certain country uh, a few years back, and I discovered something. I'm not going to tell you what the country is, um, but they eat a lot of curry. And uh, I discovered there that you don't, you don't blink when you're standing in a line. Don't turn around and talk to somebody in line because you'll turn around and two or three people will be ahead of you and they won't think nothing of it. That's how it works. That's the story today. Somebody is waiting in line and they keep getting uh, turned away. So open your Bibles to John 5 and while you're doing that, may I direct your attention to this little piece of paper. Many of them are distributed throughout the sanctuary. And on that, uh, you'll see my five points from John chapter 5, five things that Jesus said that we should be aware of and that we want to look into. And then there are bullet points there for you to fill in, and mine are filled in already, but you, uh, you might hear something today, and I would encourage you that if you hear something today, that you write it down. Just, just one thing. Just take one thing from what you hear today that comes out of my mouth and write it down so that you can take it home and practice it and apply it. On the other side of that, you'll see what looks, what looks like a child on a father's shoulders, right? You see that? And today, we're, it says uh, at the top of the page on the other side, Yahweh and Son. 
And so this is the picture Chris was looking up so that he could put something on the website in preparation for this message, a child on a father's shoulders. And so I threw that on the back of here. So any children who are still in the house, and there are a few of them, you'll notice that the, uh, that the faces are blank. So um, you, can, you can make your father look like whatever you want him to look like. Give him the biggest nose you can possibly draw on him, a pair of huge ears. You know, maybe, maybe that's your grandfather and you want to make him fat and bald. Wait a minute. My eyes, my eyes on you. <laughs> anyway, actually, if you're an adult and you get bored, you can mess around with that too, if you like. John 5. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. House of, oh, I memorized this, now forget it. House of mercy, house of blessing. Anyway, it, it also means uh, flowing water. Having five porticos, in these lay a multitude of those <clears throat> who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. Waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. <laughs> but he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, You've become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of man can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead, gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that uh, all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. And there I'm going to end. I had coffee with Duff this, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and we were deciding where we're going to break up this chapter because he's going to take the rest of it next week. I can't wait. But we didn't know where to break it up. So Duff, I give you full permission to reach back into what I've just read and you can pull out of that. You can even steal some of my notes. Okay. Do you wish to get well is the first thing on your notes. Do you wish to get well? What an interesting question. Why do you suppose the man is laying there in the first place? It seems a little redundant. I look at this. This, this is probably one of the most bizarre scenes in the Gospels, although there are quite a few, aren't there? But this one seems just over the top odd because of what's in parentheses there. And I don't know how they render it or how they lay it out in your Bible. But at, at, at halfway through verse 3, there's a set of parentheses in my NASB. And then up to the end of verse 4. This thing about the angel stirring up the waters... And then um, the first person to get there gets well seems to me to be anti-God and what I believe about him. <laughs> it just seems odd to me. And I look at this and I say to my wife, honey, this stuff, how do you, how do you reconcile this? How do you make it, how does it, look, look what's happening here, Did, you know, the most aggressive person gets the blessing. There's multitudes of people in these porticos. There are lots of people clamoring over each other to try to get into this pool when they see the waters being stirred. And this poor man, who is a little bit mobile, he can't get there. And apparently he's been going down there for 38 years trying to get this blessing, trying to get this healing. And you know what my wife says? She says, yeah, but those things are irrelevant. What's the story about? What's this thing about? What do we learn from it? And Jesus, Jesus shares with us. He teaches us. This is his pattern. This is how he does things. Stuff happens. And then he takes the multitude and sits them down and says, okay, here's the deal. Listen to what I have to say. Hear this lesson. Listen to me. Or... As he goes down further, truly, truly, I say to you, I don't know how that's rendered in your Bibles, but in mine it says truly, truly. If you're sitting there with an old King James, it's verily, verily. If you have an amplified Bible, and I don't think any of you do out there because it's twice as long and it takes twice as long to read, it says, I assure you and most solemnly I tell you, 
My translation is, shut up and listen. This is serious. That's where we should be going. To the truly truly's. Okay, and, and now, don't skip over the other parts. It's there. This whole scene is there. This whole stirring up of the waters. And there was no warning. It's just certain seasons, the stirring of the waters. And then people would rush to get in there. I, I want to see, see this played out someday. And I'm hoping there are big screen TVs in heaven that just have historical scenes played over and over. I want to see David cut Goliath's head off. I want, to see, I want to see how these things played out. I want to see what happened. I want to see this one. I want to see how this worked. But is that the important part? Well, in a way it is, but let's go on to what else it says. Do you wish to get well, he says. Uh, well, of course I do. Here I am. He doesn't say yes or no. He says, I can't get there fast enough. I can't make it there fast enough. So that's why I'm saying this man has a little bit of mobility. There's, there, there is, there, there's something wrong with his legs. He can't, he can't walk or run, but he can, he can pull himself along. He can, he can get there. He could get there if no one else was there. Now, I want to say something that is true for me, and it might be true for you, but it might be offensive to you as well. Because sometimes, sometimes, we are content to stay in our place of suffering. I know, that doesn't sound like something I should say in a Christian setting, because why wouldn't we want wholeness? Why wouldn't we want wellness? Do you want to get well? well yes, I want to get well. How often, though, do we, do we glorify our suffering? We live in a culture today that glorifies suffering. And if you are in a place of suffering, you're allowed to say, poor me, poor me, look at me, I'm, 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 a, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, and I should have rights, I should have special rights. That is the, that's what I'm seeing, that's the culture that we live in, and we have to be really careful about this as Christians, because sometimes we are content with the place we're in. Sometimes we're content to watch people go by and get to the pool first, and, and sit there waiting for someone to stroke us and say, you poor boy. Now, maybe that's not true for you, but it is for me. In some cases, it is for me. And maybe that rings true for you, or maybe you want to shoot me. Jonathan said he had tomatoes with him today. He has a bag. I don't know what's in that bag. I hope it's not tomatoes. But that kind of thing can be a little bit, you know, controversial. But human beings do a lot of things to get attention, don't we? We do a lot of things that, to, to, to bring attention to ourselves. And if it's something negative, like suffering, we'll use that. Do you want to get well? Well, I can't. Yes, you can. You know, when... There 
is wellness and wholeness in our lives. See, what does this man do? What does this man do for work? What does he do to support himself? My sense is he goes to the pool every day. He probably has someone carry him there or he crawls there. He sets up there and then on this, on this, this, I, I noticed the little, the little pictures that were in the kids' packages of this man with a rolled up mat under his arm dancing around because he can walk now. Um, it's, not, it's, it's not a flexible yoga mat, okay? It's a bed. It's, a, it's a, a gurney. That's what he's laying on. So when he's healed, he picks that up and puts it under his arm, and it's quite a big thing. It's a, it's, you can see that he's carrying something. So you could hide a yoga maggot, maggot, a maggot, a yoga maggot, you could hide a yoga mat under your, in your clothes or something like that, and nobody would know you were carrying it. But this is obviously something the guy's carrying. So um, what does he do? He goes down there. He sits there. He waits. He sees it happen. I don't know how many times he's seen it happen. He can't get there fast enough. What's going to happen to him after he can use his legs again? What happens to this man's life? What happens to this man's life? He has to start using those legs. He has to start working those legs. And he has to start being um, someone who can contribute. And someone who can move and do stuff. I think that's why they get mad at him for carrying the pallet. Because maybe he's going to make pallets and sell them. I don't know. But there is a cost that goes with wellness. There's, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a responsibility that goes with wholeness. You need to act on it and walk in it and live in it. And we have to do stuff then. We have to use what God has given us. We have to use ourselves to, to bless others and to make a living. Do you think that's what's going through this man's mind? Does he, is he, is he tossing around the idea that maybe... Ah, yeah, but if, if I get well, that means, like, I have to take responsibility for my life and for my, own, for my own well-being. So maybe I should just stay in this state. Do some of us think that way? Do we th think that way? It's an interesting thing to ponder. Pick up your palate, Jesus says. Pick up your palate. His word is enough. Pick up your palate and walk. Now... Does the man think about Shabbat? Does he think about the Sabbath? I love the way Jesus does this. He just, he, he is most active, it seems, on the Sabbath. I'm sure that there were other days of the week where he did other amazing things. But he's very active on the Sabbath, and he does that on purpose. Because like I said before, he wants to, he wants to perform an act, and then he wants to talk to the crowds about it. And some of the crowds are going to be opposed to what he's doing. Some of the crowds are going to be a little indifferent to what he's doing. Some of the crowd members are going to rejoice in what he's doing. And he's going to explain what it means to live in wholeness and live in wellness. And that's why the truly, truly's are so important. What do I need to do now? How am I going to carry this out? What am I going to do? Pick up your palate. Now, there are Jews around. It doesn't really say who they are. 
And um, they could be Pharisees, actual living Pharisees, but I don't think there were enough of them around to see everything that was going on. So some of these Jewish people were just legalistic or they were informants. Why doesn't he use the word Pharisees in there? Because John uses Pharisees in other places in the gospel. Why doesn't he just say Pharisees? He doesn't even say that. He just says the Jews. And some of your translations will say Jewish leaders. But these are Jews. They're, they're Jewish people and they see him doing this thing on the Sabbath. I was listening to somebody, some interview, and they were talking about historical things. They were talking a little bit about the COVID situation. And I know I probably shouldn't mention that word over the pulpit. It's got a lot of thoughts and feelings and ideas swirling around it. But she was involved, the, the person being interviewed was involved in something during that season. And uh, she was surprised at how many informants there were. And the person who was doing the interviewing said, you know, in East Germany, I don't know if it was before the war or after the war, two out of three people, two out of three people, they say, were informants. You could not trust anybody around you because they were going to they were going to the secret police or the Gestapo or whoever to say uh, so-and-so is doing this or so-and-so is doing that. There are people out there who do that. I think that these Jews, when he says Jews, he's talking about a group of people who just love to look and point fingers and find things wrong and, you know, bring up the law. And so when this guy's walking around with his pallet, <clears throat> incredibly happy that now he can use his legs, the people say, what are you doing? Jewish people say, what are you doing? You are breaking the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be carrying that today. What are you doing? Now, the man says this. I love what the man says. He says, um, it's not my fault. <laughs> you see that? It's not my fault. This guy came and he said, pick it up. And Jesus didn't say, walk and be healed. He said, stand up, pick up your pallet. Jesus said that to him. These are the very words that came from this guy. Well, who was the guy? I don't know who the guy is. But this is what he said to me and now this is what I'm doing. I'm just following instructions here. Don't get on my case because it was somebody else who told me to do this. So he's walking around with his pallet. And now he is, uh, Jesus does this because he, he sets up the situation. He, he sets it up. Then he runs into this guy again. Did, did you see that? He runs into him again. And here's another thing that's on your notes. He runs into him again. He, he says, look, you're walking. Look, you, you're, you're whole now. Don't sin anymore so that nothing worse will happen to you. What do you think of those words? <laughs> Is sickness and sin connected? Well, sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. 
Sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. Because in a couple of chapters, we're going to see Jesus and the disciples encounter a guy with no eyeballs. And they're going to say, the disciples are going to ask an incredibly interesting question. Who sinned? Who sinned that this guy's born blind? The parents? Grandparents? Did this guy, did this guy sin? And what's, well, we'll wait for that response. But in that situation, no, that's, that's not the important thing here. That's not the lesson I want to teach. In this situation, he says, he says, don't sin anymore. Buddy, don't, don't sin anymore. And I wish that, that that would ring true. You know what I want to do today? When I was praying about this and getting ready for this, Jesus will later say, God is working, and I'm working. And if that's the case, I think that you and I need to be a little more aggressive and a little more intentional in the way that we walk with Jesus. If Jesus is doing these things, if Jesus is working, if the Father is working and the Spirit is moving, you and I need to get in on the action, not at me. Say amen. Something we need to be. Oh. We need to be less wimpy. I know it's, it's so, it's not a nice thing to say. But I'm, I'm also talking to this heart right here. Because often I talk myself out of what I need to do, what my part is in receiving the, the works of God and what he's up to. There are two things about the works of God. We are the recipients and we're also the helpers, the apprentices, the, 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 you know, the ones who, who get involved in the action and do the same thing, be like Jesus and do the same things that the Father does. And that's, that's, the, that's what I... You know, if there's one thing you write on that page today, I hope it's aggression. You need to be more aggressive. I need to be more aggressive. I need to be more aggressive in how I pray. I need to be more aggressive in how I, how I share what I say. I need to be as harmless as a dove and as bold as a lion. Oh, that's not how it goes. Something about a serpent. Hey, you know, the other day I was at home and two strangers came to the door. Actually, there were two incidents. Two of the strangers wanted to sell me insurance. And, but the other two guys were you-know-who. And they came to the door. And you know what I've done over the years? I've had these, I've, I've had these, um, these, these encounters a number of times. But over the years, I've kind of designed an attack plan. Have you done that? This is what I'm going to say next time. You can get him in a headlock. <laughs> this is what I'm going to say next time. Well, I, I chickened out. I told them who I was. I said, I said they were wasting their time. That wasn't my attack plan. And I told them basically to go away. And uh, I, you know, because, because I, I don't, I don't want to make time. <laughs> I don't want to put out for these people, for these misled people. 
And, and I do have an attack plan. And I want to, my, my attack plan is to talk about Jesus as though he's the father. Oh, wait a minute. The Jews are getting mad at Jesus for calling God his father because that, that suggests or that means equality. And they didn't like that. That was blasphemous. And here it is right in the scriptures that Jesus and the father are one. Now, there's a, there's a lot of things. There's, there's some things that, that got answered for me as I was looking through this because... Well, let's go back to the guy who's not supposed to sin. What sin was he guilty of? Well, we don't know. We don't know what sin he's guilty of. Notice, too, that after the, the, the man, uh, after Jesus comes back to him, what does the guy do? Remember, before he said, it's not my fault. This, this guy told me to pick up my pallet, so it's his fault. What does he do now? He runs to the Jews and says, there he is. That's the guy. He's the guy. Made me whole. He's the guy. Go after him. Somebody somewhere in my research said, why would the guy rat Jesus out? I don't know if he was ratting Jesus out. I don't know if it... Maybe he's afraid of these Jews. Maybe he's, he's not an informant. I wouldn't call him an informant, but I would say that he is um, making sure that he, he's not accused of covering up any information. So he says, there's the guy. Go and talk. There's the guy. Let me out of, let me, let me get out. I'm going home. I'm taking my pallet with me. There, that's the guy that you need to talk to. So they start talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, because they are, you know, they're so caught up in this whole Sabbath thing. You know, and, and I kind of understand a little bit about that because, because we, yeah, you have to understand, I think we have to understand that the Jews have failed in their mandate as the people of God. They came out of Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness trying to get things right. They were moving about. They all had to die. Uh, all the people who came out of Egypt had to die. And then they would be ready to go into the promised land. Joshua gets them ready. Moses doesn't even get to go into the promised land. Joshua gets them ready and they go in. And, you know, that, that time in the Bible, to me, is the most interesting and disciplined group of people I think we've ever seen. They got the job done. Well, after time, though, Joshua dies. Things change. The judges come along, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. Finally, they ask Samuel for a king, and Samuel says, okay, you can have a king, but it's not going to be good, and Saul is chosen, and then Saul has his problems, and David comes along. You know, you can go through that. You know the whole history, but the point is this. They know that they failed. They lost their nation, and they lost some of their identity. And now they're going, to, uh, they're going to try to pull that back. And how are they going to get that back? By obeying the law. They have disobeyed. They have broken the law. Now they're going to get back into it, and they're going to make everybody else do it as well. 
And they've got all these rules and all these things. And you can't walk this far on a Sabbath. And you can't do this on the Sabbath. And you can't carry this. And you can't fish. And you can't carry on business. And you won't do this. And you won't do that. And there are eyes everywhere. And people watching. I can understand what's going on here. But still, they get so caught up in that. That they miss. Jesus walks right by in front of them. The Son of God. The very presence of God. The very essence of God. He walks right in front of them. And they don't even see it. And now they're getting on his case because he just loves to mess around with the Sabbath. He loves it. And they're going to get him because he's doing these things on the Sabbath. He's really not breaking any of their rules. He's not. He's just doing good things on the Sabbath. The guy who picks up his pallet has the pallet under his arm and is walking with it. And that constitutes work. What does Jesus do? He just talks to the guy. And he says, ah, I'm going to free you from watching that stirring of the waters and trying to get in on that. Pick up your pallet and go. That's all he says. He just speaks to the guy. He doesn't help him carry it or anything. He just says, pick up your pallet and go. But it happens that he knows that the Sabbath is a holy thing and they're going to, they're going to get on him. They're going to get on his case for that. And then he says, hey, I love this. Number four there, well, yeah, my father is working. What Jesus is saying is, Sabbath or not, my father is active. There are things happening. There's, there, there are things going on. God is moving. He's moving. Let's just say, oh, that God is stirring those waters, stirring those waters. He's on the move, and I'm going to move too. Now, let me talk to you about something that's going to totally confuse you. <clears throat> God is working until now. And the Son is also working. Why does Jesus say until now? God is working until now. Does Jesus say that because he's now on the scene? And he is God in the flesh. He knows that. We know that. Not sure they know that, but that's what's happening. He's God in the flesh, and now he's taking over those works, and he's doing them now because he is God. See, what, uh, when I was working this out and trying to look through this, some of the Trinity problems I've got were kind of solved. Because God can say, I'm, Jesus can say, I'm working. Because he's God. And he's full of the Spirit, and he can say, I'm working. God's working, I'm working. Even when he says, I watch my Father, and then I, and then I copy him, even that is helped me to see that these two are one. These two are one. I don't understand Trinity. Do you get Trinity? You know, if you do, talk to me later, or write a book, and make millions and millions of dollars. Because if you understand how the, this father-son-spirit thing breaks down, then uh, lots of people would like to know how that goes. I don't. I don't know how it goes. You know how they solve it? You know how the two guys that came to the door, you know how they solve it? It doesn't exist. It can't exist. And I did have an argument with one lady who told me that the Yahweh and Jesus were like 
Dave and Timon. Father, son, father, son. I'm going, boy, lady, if that's how you're breaking this down and you're helping me to understand this, you are totally missing it. Because it, from what I read in scripture, it's a lot more than that. And it's a lot deeper than that. And it's a lot more complicated than that. Yes, yes. And Timon looks just like me, he has hair. But we, aren't, we don't have that same, that same oneness. We aren't the same person. And as I'm reading through the scriptures, that's what I'm reading about. So why don't the apostles, why, don't, why doesn't Paul or Peter or James or one of the guys say, okay, take a chapter, say, okay, here's how it works. There's the father, the son's sitting next to him, the spirit's on the move and doing all this work. Okay, do you get it? Why doesn't somebody explain this to us? You know why they don't explain it to us? Because they just accepted it as reality. That's how it works. And if it's a mystery, then it's a mystery and it'll stay a mystery forever. I don't know how Jesus could hang on the cross as God in the flesh and talk to God. I don't know how that works. And if somebody says who is of the persuasion that Trinity doesn't exist because they haven't read their Bible very much. If somebody says that and, and they're saying, well, how, how does this work? I go, I have no idea. It just does. It just is there. And if it's a mystery to me, if it's a mystery, then I'm glad it's a mystery. Sometimes I get a little view into it. Sometimes I see it. Sometimes I see Jesus saying, my father, he does stuff and I copy him. And that, you know, it, it kind of helps me to understand a little bit, but I don't have it all. My goodness. I certainly don't. I don't know if I ever will. I just believe it. Father's working. Jesus is working. Holy Spirit is moving. And you and I, we have this glorious opportunity to either receive the works of God or get involved in the works of God or both. Isn't that wonderful? And you and I can do this and we can get a little bit, you know, Aggressive. What's a better word than aggressive? Get a little more courageous and just get in and do it. Go for it. And, and be a little more intentional. I think that's, that's, the, that's the, the message for the day. Jesus is working. God is working. What are you doing about that? What are we doing about that? This poor man, he has no clue. And Jesus says, you want to see the works of God? Yeah, that's one thing. That's an amazing thing over there. Water gets all stirred up. It probably bubbles a little bit. All these people are <laughs> throwing each other back. I'm going to get in there first. And then they, I'm healed, I'm healed. That's one thing. But what about Jesus saying, pick up your pallet. And it's over for you. That ailment is done. Pick up your pallet. Live your life. And then Jesus comes back. He says, hey, don't sin anymore. Apparently, there's a connection between the sin and the sickness. Don't sin anymore. So nothing else bad will happen to you. Okay. And then it's time. Now it's time to talk to the Jews who are going, wait a minute. You can't call God your father. Wait. That's not. That doesn't compute with us. You can't do that. Because that makes you equal with him. And Jesus says, well... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that is what it does. And that's who I am. And that's what I am. And look what he says. He says, the Father raises people from the dead. Whatever the Father does, shows them all things. 
Great works, you might marvel. The father raises the dead and he gives life. Well, the son does the same thing. He raises the dead and he gives life. So that you will honor the son just like you honor the father. And you honor the father and the son. You'll notice that as you read through John, there's there's a potential for confusion. Because in one part he says, I'm here to judge people. And in another part, he says, I'm not here to judge people. And then in one part, he says, the father doesn't judge. And then he says, he's given all judgment to the son. And then other parts of the, it says the father is the judge. And then, the, I mean, it, it just, you read through the thing, and you're just going, okay, who's who here? And I come to this conclusion. He's, he's God. He's father, he's son, he's spirit, he's God. And he's allowed to be and do all these different things. He's, that's, that's how he works. Yeah, but I, I can't quite get it. I can't quite understand it. You're not supposed to. You don't have to. Just let it go. Just get into, be aggressive in your worship. Don't try to figure it out. Just do it. Just get in there and go after it. So, my father is working. Truly, truly. I assure you, look at all the things that are in that last section. The father and son are one. Yes, I believe that. We believe that wholeheartedly. There's work in there. There's life in there. There's judgment in there. There's honor in there. And then the last one says this, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. What an incredibly powerful statement that is. Now, here's what I want to do. I want musicians to return to the stage. And I want us to get um, focused. Let's... Do the exercises that are necessary. Let's do the things that we know. If I, if I asked you, if I took a survey and I asked you, how many of us have settled? I don't think there's one person who wouldn't put their hand up on that. How many of us have just settled? How many of us have, have um, accepted mediocrity? How, much, how many of us have said, oh, I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed about this, and I've prayed some more, and nothing's happening, and nothing's changing, and nothing's, nothing's, and so we just sort of give into it and give up. Well, can I occur, encourage you not to do that? Yes, maybe, maybe, maybe what you're in is going to persist for a little bit longer. I don't know. I, I can't say. But I do know this, that the scriptures tell us, the scriptures inform us over and over and over again to reach out, to get aggressive, to get intentional, to get courageous, and to receive what God has for us and hang on to it. Because in that, in that, we're going we're gonna to get something. Something is going to happen in our lives. Maybe we're not going to get the results that we hope for. Maybe we're not going to get the results that we expect. But those are good things, and they are going to bring good results. I know that. I believe that. I have enough life experience that I can, I can assure you of that. It is good for us 
to sing songs. It is good for us to read scripture. It is good for us to, to, to pray and to, and, and, and to come boldly to God's throne. It is good for us to, to receive the mercy and grace that he has for us. It is, that's, that's all good stuff. And whatever state you're in, maybe today, maybe today you might need to repent. I think I might have to. Just repent for being a little bit lazy and for allowing things to, you know, for just, you know, g- giving up. And we need to get back into this aggressive style of, of living without being, you know, without being, I don't want to be a jerk, you know. After I got the guy in the headlock, I asked him to forgive me. But, I, you know, I don't want to be, you know, that kind of, I don't want to be like the Jews who are so caught up in the law that they're, you know, and I do sometimes. I do sometimes. How come you're doing that? What are you doing that for? What are you listening to that for? What are you watching that for? What are you doing? You know, we can do that, can't we? You rat each other out all the time. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. But you know what I do want to do? I want to come to my God and say, I'm hanging on, I'm not letting go. And you're, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the woman that keeps asking and asking and asking for justice for her situation. And the king goes, why doesn't this woman leave me alone? I can't really see God saying that. But he uses that not so much to describe God, but to describe us as those who just don't quit. We just don't quit. And you better not quit. I'm going to be right behind you, pointing my finger at you, saying, don't just pick up your palate, run with it. You know, just encouraging people to, to go, to press in, to, to get crazy about this, and to go for it. Don't settle for anything else. Whatever the devil tells you, don't believe it. He wants to separate you from God, and I am saying, no. You cling to him more than you ever have. What song do we have? Living Hope. That's good. Now, if you've got something you need to pray about, I'm going to go sit in that little spot over there. If you want prayer for something, you can join me. There are others who are here today who would love to pray with you. I think... Carolyn Duff would love to pray with you. I think Rowan Berry would love to pray with you. Where are the other elders? Where's Dale and Brenda? Are they in the house today? Okay. But there are people who are here in this place. The hams are over there. Oh, Andrew. Ha <laughs> there you are. I think he's an elder, isn't he? He doesn't look, he doesn't look old, but he's an elder love to pray with you. So if we could, if I could get the same thing that happened a couple of weeks ago. Carol, were you kind of stationed in the back corner? Why don't you go back over there? Take your husband with you. Andrew, you're right there, so you can you need to have prayer. Get it. Get it. And don't uh, don't talk yourself out of it. Don't. Go for it. Go for it. Let's stand.
pray. Father, you know us. You know us. In and out, up and down. Every thought, every word, you know us. Today, your word is compelling us to uh, to run harder, to go uh, more aggressively, to be um, to be aware that God is working, <clears throat> working all around us. Lord, those works are just, I, f- I just find it amazing how you're working. Drawing people to yourself, showing them the way, bringing them to our doors, bringing them into conversation with us. And we want to be involved in the work. We want to be recipients of the work and we want to get involved in the work. So Lord, here we are. Here we are. Anoint us, fill us. We come to you reaching reaching and longing for your touch and your blessing those works to be wrought in us so come come spirit come Lord Jesus as we sing this song Lord may you touch the hearts of your people and make us whole make us well Jesus we pray